and welcome to Worst Bestsellers, where we read about teen gleeks so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read Stranger Than Fan Fiction by Chris Colfer. Joining us to discuss this self-insert celebrity real-person fanfiction is Corey Eckert, private school librarian and actual fanfiction reader. Hi, friends! Hi, Corey. Hello. Thanks for joining us again. You're welcome. Corey previously talked about Bethany Frankel's picture book with us, and now she's back to... You know what? Is this your niche that you just only read books written by celebrities with us? I didn't Maybe think that's that. what I do with you guys. Is so, well, that's part of why I was thought this one would be a good fit, is because it's another very bad celebrity book. It's true. It is, it is both of those things. <laughs> Chris Colfer, by the way, if you are not familiar, you might remember as Kurt from Glee. And I think only as Kurt from Glee. I don't know. So if you are a child at my school, you know him because he wrote a alarmingly popular series of middle grade fantasy adventure books called the land of stories. And the reason I knew this book was going to be bad is that the land of stories books are profoundly terrible, but they're like little kid crack. (laughs) I haven't read those. I'd heard from some other librarians that they were at least inoffensive. But going by this, they're less offensive than this. I think. Okay. That's positive. Low bar. Yeah, this book, we'll get into the plot in a second. I was I was reading it on my lunch break at work, and one of my coworkers was like, oh, how's that book? And I felt that it had aged me a million years, because the first instinct that I had was, I was just like, it's very disrespectful. <laughs> and and disrespectful is, like, not a word that I throw around often, but I that was just what came out, because it... It is. It's very disrespectful, I feel like, of all of the characters in it and all of the marginalized groups those characters represent. I would agree, but, like, weirdly, my first impression, probably because this was my impression before it got very deep into any of the other characters, was just that the writing was so not good. It's clunky. Like, it is... It's like one of those things where if Chris Colfer were an actual fan fiction writer, I would be like, well, congratulations to you. There are no typos in your story and your spacing is correct, <laughs> but I can't keep reading this and I'm going to hit the back button. Like it just is is very clunky. It's like the story everyone writes when they're 13 and they think they're so good because their spelling is correct and their spacing is correct. So they're already like better than like 17 that's a weird number to throw out there. 20% of the people writing fan fiction on the internet. But yeah, it's you, not... You've, you've crunched the numbers. It is 17%. <laughs> I'm currently also reading The Magicians for the first time because I love the show. And I was thinking, because The Magicians is not a particularly good book, and the main character is really unlikable and full of privilege, and that comes across in all of his characterization and also the language is like very flowery and overblown, but it's very readable. I was just about to say, Corey, I, I don't have time to derail this whole podcast with my defense of Quentin Coldwater, my garbage son who I love. Uh, (laughs) I love him too, but the beginning, like the first five chapters of Magician, 
He's not a likable character, but it's very readable, and you want to go wherever he's going. Okay, great. And that's what I kept thinking about in relation to this book, where Topher, the sort of main character, is not someone you want to go with. I also want to talk about this book's interesting choice, or, like, each of their... So there's... Okay, we gotta get into the plot soon. But basically, there's these four teens, and then there's celebrity... Crush Idol, whose name is Cash Carter. Side note: Here's two things I'm mad about. And the show, and the book, in <laughs> the book, they're all big fans of a show called Whiz Kids, which is clearly Doctor Who. But then, real Doctor Who also exists in this universe. Bad. Second of all, the star of Whiz Kids is named Cash Carter, but the X Files, and thus by extension, Chris Carter, also exists in this universe. Bad. Give him a different name. Hate it. Okay, anyway, the book starts with, like, each of these four teens gets to narrate a chapter to kind of introduce themselves and set up that each of these teens has a secret. And then after that, the book is, like, third-person omniscient, and it's weird. Yeah. And yes. It, uh, there's just, it's, I think I, I said in the notes, uh, heads up, everybody listening to this, I got back from Iceland, like, less than 24 hours ago, and I'm very tired. <laughs> But because I care about you, the people listening to this podcast, I was like, fuck it. Like, let's record it. That's a lie. Actually, when we were scheduling this, I was like, no, it'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'll have been back for a day already. And that's garbage bullshit. I'm very tired. (laughs) You know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be like a drunk episode, but different. Yes. You're drunk on Iceland. So I think it's great. The notes, but, like, the, the thing that, that's kind of stuck out to me about this is that we have read books that are almost, like, purposely misogynistic or transphobic or racist or, like, whatever. We've read older books where, quote-unquote, that was just the way things were, so that they're all of those things. And, like, the thing about this book is... In, in his little celebrity heart, I think Chris Colfer 100% thought that he was doing this great thing in trying to raise, put a spotlight on the issues that these characters have. In reality, yes. it's just like a kind of like straight cis white savior mess. There is. Which um, is weird because he is gay. Yes. yes. There's a scene where um, the character whose secret is that he's gay, Joey, is dreaming about, like, a world run by gay people or something. And he has this whole internal monologue that is totally Chris Colfer, a white cis gay man, talking about how, like, the queer community accepts um, everyone and is the sort of utopia. And it struck me as sort of the perfect example of what this whole book is because the queer community is often transphobic it is extraordinarily fat phobic a lot of the time it has a lot of racism within it um as a bisexual person like it's often very biphobic i love i love my queer umbrella but we are not a utopia by any stretch of the imagination but if you're like a beautiful successful young white cis gay man you might not know that. Yeah. So within the first, I, I put this in, in my notes, within the first two chapters, there was some um, there was some misogyny and transphobia and racism and a lot of ableism 
And it was all so well-intentioned and so blind to, like, see, okay, I shouldn't say blind because that's ableist. It was so, like, not aware of itself at all. And it just, like, and it keeps, I kept thinking, like, maybe someone will learn a lesson, but no one does. Like, at the end of the story, spoiler alert, this rich, straight, white, largely able-bodied, rich celebrity man solves everyone's problems through money money (laughs) and also gets away with being a really terrible person no real rest i mean he gives them money but they they just forgive him like he's allowed to be like a profoundly bad human being to them yeah. yeah. Let's okay. Let's dig in. We've we've danced yeah. around it. Um. This, so this opens with these four teens, our four like main um fans of the show WizKids. Side note: If you are a fan of WizKids, the show, you call yourself a wizard, which no one would ever do. Oh boy, it's He's, also the name of a character from Falsettos. I was I put that in my notes as well. I put, actually I put <laughs> Falsettos in Reader's Advisory. Spoilers <laughs> for that section of the podcast. <laughs> Also, not to further interrupt, but what the book actually starts with is a description of uh, our supposed hero, Cash Carter, this actor in the show WizKids, attending WizCon, W-I-Z-C-O-N. WizCon, W-I-S-C-O-N, is already a thing, Chris Colfer, just so you know. (laughs) And I can tell you, Chris Colfer has never been to a sci-fi convention before. Everything he described, no sci-fi convention that was worth its salt would ever, like, there's a point where there's just a mob of people waiting to get inside. There's no orderly line. Like, all of these things that are happening, a convention that ran that way would not run for very long because people would stop going. Like, everything he described was so impossible for me to believe as a person. And I'm not even like, I've only been going to these things for like 10 years. There are people who their entire lives are spent, they've gone to these things like since they were small. Like my my friend, my friend's kids like have been going since they were literal babies and now they're adult humans, which is really weird to think about. Like, I, I, I cannot stress enough how much this does not resemble the reality of a science fiction convention at all. I'm done. We can move on. It's so poorly researched. It's so poorly researched. It's him. Yeah, you're right. It's him backstage at the con and sort of, we get the sense that he is like, um, like a Hollywood bad boy and he's like eating marijuana gummies backstage and like being late and being, you know, making them delay the whole uh, the, the whole panel, and then we kind of like zoom out text space, and we see that our four teens are watching the live stream of this convention, and they're very excited. Also, want to say that at some point they are live streaming with, or they're they're um, they're watching it online with some other friends of theirs, some other wizard friends of theirs, who we then drop for like half of the book until they call them once, yes. and it's just really. Like it, one of them is Muslim and one of them is from Latin America. I don't remember because he was completely unimportant character, but it was really like tokenism. I felt like let's get a couple more characters of color in here for three seconds until we forget the exist. It was that, and it was also like, oh, I have a sense that teens are using the internet and that they have these internet friendships. But yeah. anyway, their main friends are these friends they went to high school with, though. 
So uh, they're these friends. They're kind of a, in a way like a little breakfast club where like they don't have that much in common except for they all love the show Whiz Kids. And so our our four friends are Topher, who is like a a straight white kid boy who um his he's valedictorian of the school, super smart, but his brother <laughs> has cerebral palsy. And he had to give up his future to help take care of him. But he's not resentful because his brother is the strongest person he knows. Yes, and his brother's a true, the true inspiration. And it's very... More than once also refers to himself as his brother's hero. Yes. Yes. The yes. entire yeah. characterization of his little brother is problematic AF. Yeah, yes. it's gross. And then especially because then I read that Chris Colfer's younger sibling has epilepsy and Chris Colfer had to spend, t- like, help his sibling as a child. And I was like, oh, this is, like, you... This is uncomfortable even more so now that I feel like you are projecting yourself in this way. Whatever, though. Uh, so there's also Joey, who's black and in the closet. He's gay, but no one knows about it because he's the pastor's son. And he's one of five boys, and they're all super, super, their family is super conservative, which he thinks is so weird because his mom's white and his dad's black, and, like, people were real racist to them when they first moved to town. But instead of being cool with progress, they are super conservative, which you would think that then he would understand. I don't know. Going back to what Corey was saying about, like, the whole... Because he's the character who thinks, like, all the gay people, the gay community is so inviting. Like, queer people love everyone. And it's like, this is. It made me think that Chris Colfer had never talked to a black gay person. Yeah, probably. Even in passing. Yeah. Uh, So we got Mo, who is Japanese American. And her mother died when she was a child. She's a fan fiction writer. Chris Colfer also doesn't know super a lot about fan fiction, but... No, that was very cringy, the way that she does fan fiction. So Mo, she was like, I can't remember, but I got the impression like 10 when her mom died and had cancer for two years and her parents just kept lying to her about it. I I thought she was younger than 10, but maybe just because... Because the lies really would not have plotted. worked on a ten-year-old, it seemed like. It's so really weirdly plotted because they just like don't tell her that she has cancer, and then her mom goes to the hospital and never comes back, and her dad's just like, "Oh, she died," and never speaks of it again. And it is not the way that humans interact with other humans. No, and the yeah, and that whole family dynamic was like. Pretty racist, because it's very, Pretty like, racist. oh, he's, like, a stoic Japanese man, I guess, and he's just, like, very stoic. And then, of course, most secret is that her dad really wants her to go to Stanford, and he's always wanted her to go to Stanford because it's a good school and study business and, like, get a good job. Is it business like, or oh, law? Economic, economic, yeah. Um, you know, some, some serious, like, thing. And, and, like, that's just such a, such a stereotype. Yeah. And of course she doesn't want to do that. She wants to study creative writing because she writes fan fiction and she has secretly applied and been accepted to Columbia University for creative Which writing. Which is a terrible 
school and any parent would be sad for their child to go there. Right. Columbia's an Ivy League college. I found that right. so unbelievable that he right. would be like, no, like you're going to go to Stanford. Like even the fucking creative writing thing, because guess what? No one fucking cares what your undergraduate degree is. A creative no writing degree is useless. I have one. I know. Mm-hmm. But it's me too. It's not any more useful. Like if you have an, un, a bachelor's degree in economics, it's not going to give you a foot up into anything except maybe no. understanding economic terms. Cause I don't No, nope. but me neither. <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's Mo. And then, uh, Sam is our fourth friend. Sam is a transgender boy who has told no one about this. And so, so everyone still like refers to Sam by female pronouns because Sam has never told anyone except for one time Sam went to a therapist and the therapist was like, oh, no, you're just like transgender is not a thing. Like you're just mentally ill because your dad left your mom and like we'll get that taken care of. So I, I except for the fact that that Sam's mom is like the most stereotypical like aging pageant queen of all time she i felt like his storyline was the one that was the best written in terms of realism like that's a thing that a therapist might actually tell you yes and there's a scene where sam is going to rhode island school of design for like he like makes trash into art and the scene where it talks about his bedroom and how he like what his art is, is like very detailed and interesting and well thought out. And I thought it was the best written scene in the book. And I I was excited to see a trans masculine character because I feel like we see a lot of trans feminine characters. Mm -hmm. But there is this thing that happens throughout the book where people say transgender in like a transgender or instead of saying trans, they say the whole word and it's in italics. And it sounds like the way that your maiden aunt who watches a lot of Geraldo would say it. Yes. Yeah. The other thing about Sam's storyline, too, I I think I would agree that it's the best one. Um, So they they all are keeping these secrets. And I do feel like Sam's makes kind of the most sense in the sense that, you know what I mean? A lot of, I feel like to be in the closet as trans. Mm, you, I feel like that's the one that has the most taboo against it still, I guess. Yeah, but even, I mean, Joey too, I can understand that, being a pastor's yes. son and being in the yes. closet. I get that. But the other two kids' secrets are Topher was supposed to go to MIT and got accepted, but he has to stay in their town instead because somebody needs to take care of his brother because his father got a job working across the country and there will be nobody to take care of him. That's not, that's that? not Topher's secret, secret. that he's in love with Sam. Yes. Was that what his secret was? Yes. Okay. Even though he- Sam knows and everyone else knows. Like, no one, it's not, he just thinks huh. it's secret. Yeah, I definitely took away from it that it was that like his friends didn't know that he got into MIT and that he did, but he's interesting. I wonder if I read that wrong, which is possible, or if it just was not really well telegraphed. No, they know because they're like, oh, you're such a hero to stay and like take care of your brother, blah, blah, blah. 
Okay. Yeah, they tell Cash he's like throwing away his future to I mean not they don't say it that way, but they <laughs> they make a big deal out of what a hero he is. Alright. Okay. So Tover's secret is that he's in love with Sam. Stupid. Mo's secret is that she's keeping from her friends for whatever like I don't understand why she would keep that from her friends that she got it in Columbia as well and wants to go there. Like that seems stupid. Right. But well, and that's also so uh, going back to Joey, I totally get why you wouldn't tell his family, duh, but to not tell his yeah. friends that he's gay, you know, okay, I, that's your choice, I guess. But that's, it seemed I like mean, I, they're so... I don't, I also don't know if Chris Colfer has ever been to a, I don't know where he grew up, so I can be totally off this. But the town that they live in, which is called Downers Grove, which I know because they talk about it like every four pages, the whole book. I think he picked it. it for the wordplay possibility because he calls them Downers. Downers Grove's a real yep. town. Um, I know it. So he, he talks about the Downers Grove gang like every they're every four pages or so. Um, and he uh, it he makes it seem like this really oppressive, incredibly depressing, like no one gets out small town. And Joey talks about how he didn't tell his friends because he didn't want there to be any possibility it would ever get back to his family. But yeah. it doesn't seem like his friends know his family that well. Like, Yeah, it's not like they're hanging. They're not over at their house for Sunday dinner. It just, he, Colfer has written it as if Down- Downers Grove is like this tiny, tiny, tiny little town where everything gets back to everybody. Yeah, but it's and like it's a Chicago like- suburb. Right. Yeah. But I, I mean, I can still see, though, like, even if your friends are accepting, it's just rough. It's rough. Even if you know yes. everyone's going to accept you, even if you know that people like it was rough for me to tell my parents and like my aunt's gay. My parents don't give a shit. And I knew that. But it was still I, I, so I can see it being a difficult thing for him and understand why for he sure. wouldn't, especially with these outside influences. So like yeah. Sam and Joey, I get the other two. For sure. Yeah, yes. and they're treated as if they are all equally, equally secretive secrets. Yes. yes. Um, but let's let's blow through a little bit more of this plot. So these these four friends became friends, even though they're like so different because they all love this show and they're afraid that if they don't have the show, they won't be friends anymore. Now that they're all going to college, so you they're real happy. Been... Hmm? Whiz Kids has been on for like. 10 years it's about to do its 10th season yes and they've all known each other since like they were little they've been friends since they were in elementary school because of this show so this is also a plot point that does not make a lot of sense because there's no reason to be friends 10 years later there are fandom friends that i've met in one fandom that even though we've both switched fandoms like we're still friends even though we don't like the same things anymore like that's how friendship works I'm friends with people I met on the My So Called Life fandom mailing list in 1995. Yeah. Like, Renata and I met on a mailing list that was tangentially had to do with Rent. Mm -hmm. And we we don't even like musicals anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, but so they they're gonna they're very excited that uh whiz kids is renewed for another season because it means that they can still like have their chat parties while watching the episodes but they're gonna go on this like one last hurrah road trip for the summer um and drive from their small town in illinois or maybe not that small to uh southern california and take like a tour of the whiz kids set and like see all of these 
roadside attractions on the way and uh, the night before they're going to go Topher uh, writes a letter to Cash Carter via his website which is apparently something that he's been doing periodically like ever since the show started because uh, he assumes no one reads them. So, like, sometimes if he has something he wants to get off his chest or he's feeling particularly grateful for all the things WizKids has brought into his life, he'll write Cash a letter on his website. So he writes him a letter, and at the end of it, he says, also, like, my friends and I are going on a road trip tomorrow. Like, let me know if you want to come, LOL. And he gets an email back saying, like, what time should I show up? Yeah. And the next day... Cash Carter shows up at Topher's house ready to go on this fucking road trip with them and they're all shocked. Yes. And Cash immediately reveals himself to be kind of a dick. Uh, and and their road trip it, I mean, it's adorable and I love a roadside attraction, but he's like, are you kidding me? Like, you're on the road, you're teens, I'll get you fake IDs, we'll go to a bar, and they're like, no, we just want to go to the world's largest rubber band ball. And he's like, okay, I'm going to somehow accidentally break the world's largest rubber band ball, and it's going to break loose from its platform, and you're going to have to drive away from it, like, literally like Indiana Jones, but it's a rubber band ball. Which, by the way, I kind of loved. (laughs) (laughs) So the best, the thing that made me like these kids more than anything else was that they have meticulously planned the nerdiest nerd kid road trip of all time. Yes. Like they have, like, in... down to a minute when they're going to see all of, like, the nerdiest attractions across America. <laughs> they go to St. Louis, and Renata and I kind of talked about this in the notes, because we went to St. Louis once, and they're, like... On a pretty they... nerdy road trip, by we, the way. It was a very nerdy road trip, but, like, the only thing they want to do in the city besides see the arch is go to the Lewis and Clark Museum, and in the notes, Renata and I were both immediately like, there are so many better museums to go to, <laughs> especially the city museum. Why aren't these kids going to the city museum? Um, yeah. Side note, uh, reader's advisory suggestion for a museum. If you're in St. Louis, go to the city museum, you dummies. Don't look anything else up about it first, though. Just wander in and, like you're in a fever dream, which is what we did. It still feels kind of like Brigadoon to me. <laughs> Uh, um, but so it's it's very he's trying to get them to like loosen up and like be a bad influence and uh, they go he gets them to go to a bar in St. Louis actually and he like drinks too much and kind of passes out or like semi passes out and they have to escort him out like leaning on them and that becomes like huge tabloid news about how the star of WizKids is, is like a bad boy now yeah because for the past few months like, at the convention in the first chapter, the creator of WizKids, who hates Cash, and his two co-stars and the producers uh, tried to have an intervention with him, because for the past few months, he's been kind of off the rails. He's been, like, drinking a lot and partying a lot and, like, doing a lot of crazy stuff, and, like, no one can understand why, and they think he's addicted to think he's addicted to drugs, and the readers are also led to think he's addicted to drugs, they keep dropping these, like, these, like, actually cash as a darker secret moments in, um, and I, because I have read some books sometime in my life, um, in the first chapter was like, oh, I know what his darker secret is. Same. Um, but. I didn't. Do you? Almost- <laughs> I was surprised. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I do, <laughs> do want to say that, like, just um, speaking of his coworkers, they the main love interest who all of the the wizards ship him with um, is portrayed as like super narcissistic and like only ever takes selfies of herself and couldn't care about anybody else and it's like the flattest most stereotypical like i don't know women and i've never had a conversation with one and i don't think they're human beings portrayal second only to like the evil female reporter who's trying to like gotcha them who runs a blog and the female youtuber who is trying to ruin their lives Mm, that's a good point yeah i'm gonna put Uh, that in because even mo is sort of like the most annoying of the four or like the portrayed to be yes mm. yeah yeah that's not great um so they take off on this road trip and the thing that like kind of stuck out to me is like obviously they're they're all 18 like they're adults they're very sheltered they're super yeah. into this fandom, though, and they're super into, like, following every bit of it on the internet. They all have Google alerts on, like, everything to do with this show, and yet they're shocked that he's not exactly like his character. Yeah, it's weird. Which yes, is, it's very weird. They come across as, as so sheltered and so naive in those ways. He has, like, 14. Yeah. Or, yeah, like, and yeah, that, like, 10. It's very, I mean, like, I'm a nerd, duh, and I've been in, like, these Spanish spaces basically my my entire yeah. life-ish. Like, I, my first, I got in my first fandom when I was, like, 10, so for, like, 23 years at this point, and even when I was 10 or 11 or 12, like, I knew that Scully and Jillian Anderson were two different people. Yeah, I definitely, like, I am in fandoms currently where there's, like, large percentages of the fandom that are very young. Like, check, please, because it's about college. There's a lot of very young, like, high school and college kids in that fandom and the Adventure Zone. There's a lot of, like, very young kids, which concerns me. There's a lot of F-bombs. Not that I didn't say that word. Anyway, um, but so I interact with a lot of, like, 18-year-olds in fandom on a regular basis. And I would say that I am sometimes like, oh, you sweet summer children, why are you so naive about the way the universe works? But not a one of them, like, thinks that Justin McElroy is taco. He's wait, they, they, wait. They'd be in for He's a not? surprise. <laughs> <laughs> then, then where does taco come from? <laughs> we'll get Heaven. into that later. Here's a yeah, moment. Just, here's a moment on the road trip that I liked. I want to give a little bit of credit. Yeah. Joey, the secretly gay one, has man nip, which is like grinder, I guess, and he's set up a hookup in Oklahoma City, and he's pretending to be older, and he goes and meets this man at a bar, and he's hoping he's hoping to lose his virginity, and he's like very nervous and excited, and the the man that he's there to hook up with is like. Wait, you seem younger than you said. How old are you? Oh my god, you're only 18. No, we're not doing this. And he gives him this, like, pretty sweet, like, pep talk about how, you know, he should, his 
first time should be, like, with somebody that he respects and, like, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I know it seems rough because you're in high school, but just, like, wait, there's more for you. Blah, blah, blah. I thought it was pretty nice. It did come across as, like, a, just, like, a preachy monologue dumped into the middle of the chapter, but I thought it was, like, a, a good, good one to have in there, I guess. Yeah, uh, it was a little, like, like, um, magical Yoda gay. Yes. Um, but... But it was, like, a good message, and I'm also glad that they did not just have Joey, like, hook up with a 35-year-old on Grinder. Right. Yeah. Which is what would have happened on Glee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then um, Cash Carter is also there at the bar, just in the corner eavesdropping, I guess. And he, so he's like, oh, well, also, Cash, from the second he met Joey, was like, oh, Joey, you're gay. And Joey's like, what? No, I'm not. And Cash was like, oh, sorry, you just seem well-dressed. Um, but then he was like, yeah, I knew it. But he and Joey's like, oh, you can't tell everyone, blah, blah, blah. And Cash is like, okay, fine. And he doesn't for a while. The weirdest thing about Cash, like, lurking in the corner of a bar and eavesdropping is that the whole rest of the book, anytime Cash shows up anywhere, he gets, like, mobbed by fans because he's, like, super famous. And his falling down drunk on the internet has been like the biggest story of the week because apparently they don't live in our timeline and the president is not doing anything newsworthy and uh mm, the yeah, only thing any on tv is talking about is cash carter being a drunk um and so he's like every time they walk into a gas station his face is on it like he gets recognized everywhere except magically yeah in magically this bar, in this bar. in the corner and the thing that stuck out to me about it is that he, like, even says to Joey, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm also here for a hookup. And then the next morning when they go to pick him up to continue on the road trip, there's a girl and his, well, there's two girls there's in two his room. Girls. Yeah, because I thought it was a gay them... bar, but I guess it wasn't, yeah. or, it, or it was and, and Cash was meeting his two ladies at the gay bar? I don't know. Either way, oh. like, he explicitly says, like, I am here to hook up with someone, and yet... Joey is shocked that he had sex with these women when he, like, that he's with women who he was out oh. and about and had sex with when he gets in the next morning. And I was just like, he literally told you he was doing that. Like, he gave you an agenda, essentially, of his evening. <laughs> Why are you surprised? But that is a minor, a minor surprise in a very long list of weird things about this book. Yes. But so they go to all these other places and they're on their way to Texas and Cash sees a sign for a particular highway in Kansas and is like, oh, like, we have to get off here because, like, my the, the water park that I went to all the time as a child is here and I love it and it's all the best memories of my childhood. So they, like, go on this detour for him and it turns out being, like, super out of there. Yeah, because he, he misremembered what highway it was off of. So like really, and they it's don't another... have and they don't have Google Maps, I guess. Yes. Uh, so they explain that that he keeps telling them the name, but it's spelled oh, differently. Oh, no, you're right. It they has a Y that. in it. But also, and Google so would have suggested that they've been that. trying to Google it all along, and nothing is coming up, and it's because he didn't tell them that it was spelled with a. It's like high tide with a Y instead of an I. No, but yeah, also, you're right. They did say that. But also, I feel like if you were to Google high tide water park with an yeah. I. It would say, yeah. do you mean high tide with yeah. a Y, but... It was, like, the one time that they tried <laughs> to close a logic loop, and I was like, well, I see you trying. Yeah, so. you're right. My bad, they did try that. Anyway, it's, it's closed. And it's been shut down, and Cash years. is like, 
uh, Cash is like pissed at it about it and well sad about it and everyone else is pissed at him and also uh, and also they ran out of gas yes because at the very beginning Topher's mom warns him that to stop for gas every 300 miles because the gas gauge is broken and he had not passed that information on to Sam who was driving so they ran out of gas and there was a big accident so AAA can't get them gas until the next morning so they have to sleep in the car but then Cash is like we don't have to sleep in the car we can sleep in the abandoned water park and all the rest of them except Mo are like okay so they do and he also gives them a joint so they all smoke up and like have wild reactions being high the way that this water park is originally like when they first break in it's like it's been sitting for 10 years it's fetid like the all of the water attractions are full of dead pigeons like it is described in really pretty disgusting terms and then they're like yeah we're just gonna get high and sleep here but i would go there (laughs) Oh, yeah. Do the same thing. (laughs) With a lot of mosquito repellent, but like, just the description is pretty like this entire place is the grossest thing you've ever seen in your entire life. Okay. Let's burn stuff. (laughs) I loved it. So they. Along the way, another thing that's weird throughout is that they're going to these places that are. Chris Colfer seems to be under the impression that he might be sued, I feel like, by, like, Roswell, New Mexico. And so they go to these historical things, but he makes up a new name for them. So instead of Roswell, New Mexico, for example, it's Santa Rosa, New Mexico. And the UFO crash happened in 1948 in this timeline. Like, why? No one's... That's not, like, copyrighted. What are you doing? Yeah. By the way, we all know it was 1947 in our reality. (laughs) Um, it's also this weird thing where, like, so they're very square kids, which is fine, although the kids that I know in fandom do not tend to be, but he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you, like, I'm gonna get you living, and they, like, drive a car too fast and smoke some weed and do some, like, light breaking and entering and use fake IDs to go to a bar and don't drink, like, and later they're like, he brainwashed us into doing things that are totally outside of our moral. And I was like, uh, you did things that 18 year olds do for fun in the summer. Cause they're bored. Like this is none of this is shocking. Yes. Yeah. Cause like, I definitely like, I myself was pretty, like a pretty square teen, but then to, I, I feel like then having done the things they like way overreact and course, correct. Whatever. Yes. Anyway, along the way, all the teens eventually each individually have a moment to confess their big secrets to Cash. And they're all like, oh, no, I'm not ready to tell my friends. Don't tell them. And he's like, okay, okay. Um, So they they keep going on their trip. They end up in Texas at the Bundy and Claire Jail Cell Museum, which is the made-up version of Bonnie and Clyde. Again, Bonnie and Clyde are not going to sue you. What are you doing? No, they're dead. (laughs) Wait, are they? Wait, hang on. Are we allowed to say that? Are Bonnie and Clyde going to sue us this podcast? They're dead. Uh, They're dead. Uh, edit this out. <laughs> um, 
and uh, Cash is like acting kind of weird and he keeps like taking these pills and there's a day that he wakes up with a migraine and he's just like super grumpy and they go to fake Roswell and they bump into this woman who ends up is like a, a crazy UFO person but actually she's also Cash's former lawyer who's like retired yeah and she doesn't do law anymore. She does UFOs. So that is a part in the book that really didn't go anywhere, for me at least. She uh, also, like, stops the action to give, like, a wise, out-of-nowhere monologue. Okay, I guess, so the other thing is that throughout, as Cash is making veiled allusions to his secret or whatever, he talks about how he's not going back to WizKids and he's not going back to acting and... Uh, so I, I guess maybe it was another red herring to make you think that he was just retiring or whatever. Maybe. Yeah, because she gives this whole, like, wise speech about how Hollywood will, like, spit you up or, you know, chew you up and spit you out. And it's really depressing life. And, like, she doesn't believe in UFOs, but she's having such a fun time, like, being out in the middle of nowhere, like, talking to people about UFOs. And she's, like, bringing joy to people. It's... I am not sure what the great moral message of her monologue is, but I feel like Chris Colford thought there was one. Yeah. So after on this day, they're on, they're on their way to the Grand Canyon and he's got this like terrible headache and they stop at some other natural, natural wonder. And there had been a thing for a while where after his big stunt was in the news about passing out at this club, this other news story pops up that says that he didn't show up for stunt filming for season 10 and no one knows where he is. And he tells the kids like, Oh, it's because they moved the date. And in my contract, I have a clause. They have to give me two weeks notice and they didn't. So like, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. Like they're just doing it to try and rein me in, you know, forget it. I've, I've dealt with it. Um, And while they, they turn their phones off to go on a nature hike and they come back and turn them on, and their two international friends video chat them and are like, WizKids was canceled. And they're betrayed that Cash didn't tell them and they're mad at him and they confront him about it. And he's like having this terrible migraine and he's out of the pills that he's been taking. And he reveals all of their secrets to each other when they start yelling at him for not being upfront with them. Yeah, well, and he's also like, I thought you liked me as a person, even though we just met like a week ago. But like, I see that you also, really, I see that you really only like my. He's not show. a likable person. Also, that. yeah, he spent the entire road trip being a totally unlikable person, and it's like, why don't you like me for me? Yeah. So he leaves them and like goes to find another. He finds some other tourists and asks them to take him away. And they're all, like, in shock from learning each other's secrets. So they have, like, a really awkward drive to Southern California. And once they're there, they split up and, like, get separate hotel rooms and don't talk to each other for three days. And then at the end of the three days, like, first Topher and Sam bump into each other. And they're like, hey, like, I wasn't mad at you about being trans. Like, I was just shocked and I needed to come to terms with it. And I still care hey, about you. I'm mad about this scene. Okay, so Topher has a crush on Sam. Sam knows. 
Sam thinks that if Topher knows he's a boy, he will not still have a crush on him and will not want to be friends with him. But also, Sam likes Topher, and Sam would like for them to have a romance. But he's like, well, Topher's not gay, so if he finds out that I'm trans, he's not going to like me anymore. So that's fine. That's, like, a legitimate fear for Sam to have. Yes. So then all of everything is revealed by Cash, usually. And then um, Topher says, like, I have always liked girls in the past, but I've never been in love with anyone but you, and I'm in love with you, whatever your gender is. So, like, I'm interested in figuring out where we're going from that. And Sam's like, yes, I'm also interested in you romantically. These are 18-year-olds who are alone with no parental supervision on the beach in Santa Monica with the, like, beautiful pier overlooking them in front of the ocean who have just announced to one another that they are in love. They do not even kiss. We get no queer action on this screen. We just get a hug awkwardly before one of their friends shows up and is like, uh, I love you guys too. Hmm. There's no, we don't get even a smooch. I do not buy it. I hate it when YA authors like don't show us 18 year olds kissing. There's a like annoyance that I have with many like Rick Rorden and and jk rowling like these are 18 year olds they're 19 in the case of percy and annabeth like they're gonna make out but even more so because we have so few instances of a trans masculine person getting to smooch the person they're in love with oh my god i was yeah, super was, annoyed that it's not just kiss it was dumb was and unrealistic very surprised by that as well but at this point, like, because we're, we're cruising in towards the end, and I was just like, fucking get this book over with. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. But I was just like, really? We got the best possible ending of, like, them actually liking each other, and then we don't even get a kiss? This is so terrible. Yeah. So I they... Mean, the, basically, they all are like, oh, none of these secrets are a big deal. We're also friends. Cool. Yeah. And yeah. Topher gets a text from Cash saying, like, oh, sorry, I was a dick. Like, I'm getting help now. I would love it if you could visit me on your way back. And here's the address. And he just sends an address. And so they're yeah. like, oh, yeah. great. Cash is in rehab. Thank God. So they're like, okay, yeah, we'll s- he's in rehab in Arizona. And they're like, yeah, we'll stop and see him on our way back. Well, Topher is like, we'll stop and see him on our way back. And the others are like, no, we don't like him anymore. Like, we don't want to. Oh, yeah. But Topher convinces them and he goes in. And once he gets inside, he learns that it's not a rehab, but a hospice facility. And he goes into a room and he's shocked because there's a kid in there, but like he doesn't see Cash. But then he realizes the person in the bed is Cash, but he's dying and he looks real different now. And Cash explains that he has brain cancer. And he and here's like a thing that that made me raise my hackles is he had had like headaches or something and he had seen a doctor and the doctor said, go to the hospital, get a scan. But the producers of WizKids were like, no, you're not allowed to go to the hospital until we're done filming. And so by the time he found out about it, like... He so I was annoyed about that, and then he finds out about it. And if he, he gets it treated, there's a possibility a he might be paralyzed, or b he might lose his speech abilities. And he's like, nope, can't live with that. I'd rather be dead. So then he disabled. Yeah, it's fucked treatment. up. So that was a one-two punch of real stupid shit. Uh huh. So instead, he's just been living like he's dying because he is. 
And when he got Topher's message, because he's secretly been keeping all of Topher's letters over the years, because Topher was the first person who wrote a letter to Cash and not to Dr. By the way, his character's name is Dr. Bumfuzzle, and that's real. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he really is. That's real. That's not me forgetting the name and making some dumb shit up. The character's name is Dr. Bumfuzzle, and the other doctor's name is, is Dr. Peach. And the people who ship them are called Peach Fuzzlers. Also, the, all of those characters are children. Yes. Genius yes. children. Genius, genius doctor children. So I guess the show is Doctor Who, but also it's uh, Doogie Hauser. So he, what I thought of, do you, do either of you guys, have either of you guys ever seen or heard of Breaker High? No. No. When Sweet Valley High was on... There was a show either right before it or right after it called Breaker High and had like a very young Ryan Gosling as the super nerd who no one liked. And it was about some kids who go to high school on a boat. And it was very bad. Um, and the the like response of all of the critics, it's constantly talked about in the book that everyone thinks this show is extraordinarily bad. And I was like, it's like if something like Breaker High hit, got really, really, really popular for no apparent reason. And like Ryan Gosling became a huge hit from there when he was like 15. And like, in, like it's not the quality of Doctor Who. Well, but they talk about it. They're like, oh, it's like so campy and the production values are silly and it's like silly sci-fi lasers or whatever. Which I feel like is Doctor Who. That's true. It's accurate. It, I mean, it sounded like it, it, they want it to be a show that has like the appeal and fandom of like a supernatural, but right. like on a national stage, which just isn't going to happen because once a show becomes that popular and accepted by the mainstream it stops being weird to like it like you stop being a weird nerd to be a fan of it you know right but anyway once once Topher finds out that Cash is dying of brain cancer he gets all the other kids to come inside and like they're all like oh like we forgive you and they all stay with him in the hospice until he dies and and he never had any real friends because Hollywood's so fake Yes. And that's, that was, I cried. I was so sad. <laughs> <laughs> I he never I, had any real friends because he's a bad person. I, but it's still sad. <laughs> I didn't cry and I cry at everything. So, shrug. I was like, I hate you, Cash. You can die. It's fine. Uh, so after a couple months after he dies a month after he dies exactly the kids are all getting together because they're leaving for college soon and joey came out to his parents and got kicked out of his house and he's living with topher and the two of them are going to go to community college and then transfer somewhere else and um, here's something i liked also by the way is is sam came out as trans to his mom and he had been so afraid, like, oh, my mom's so shallow and she's so dumb and she won't get it. And Sam's mom was like, oh, there was a trans character in Grey's Anatomy. Like, that's great. And, like, yes, that's shallow and dumb, but also kind of legit. <laughs> I don't know. It was totally realistic. Yeah. That's Sam's Sam's storyline is the only one that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like, well, okay, so, so they all meet to have dinner and 
Uh, Topher gets a call from Cash's attorney, and he asks them to come to a will reading uh, later in the week. And they do, and they find out that Cash left them all money in two different trusts for each of them. One trust for each of them that's college money, and one trust that is tailored specifically to their needs. Uh, For Joey, it's an apartment in New York like so that if he decides to pursue acting like he has somewhere to go and Topher gets money to help pay for Billy's care his brother with cerebral palsy and Sam gets a transition fund and Mo gets rights to his to Cash's life story if she wants to write a biography of him and like that's the end of the book is money solves everything <clears throat> but which i mean but literally the end of the book, literally the end of the book, the last line of the book is Mo describing the situation as being dot, 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 stranger than fan fiction. And that's literally the last line of the book. And that, I pulled my headphones out and threw my phone down and said, I quit this book out loud because I couldn't handle it. Oh, boy. But kind of circling back around to Sam's storyline being the most believable, it felt to me like Chris Colfer was aware that, like, writing, he needed to be sensitive writing about a trans experience because it wasn't something he had, and that it was maybe something that he did more research into than anything else. And figured, like, oh, like, you know, nerd girl whose parents don't believe in her. Like, I can swear well, that. And specifically, like, Asian cosplayer nerd girl who, like, it's so many stereotypes rolled into one in Mo. Yeah, and I feel like for all the other ones, he was like, oh, I can wing this, but, like, I need to be yeah. sensitive about the trans stuff, so I'm going to do research on that. And so that's why Sam's story feels like the only one that reads coherently and like there was any thought put into it. I mean, Joey, I think also, but not as, not as much as Sam, but I feel like if we're ranking them. I do feel like I kept, except when someone would mention that Joey was black, like I kept reading him as a white kid Yeah. because I think that, um, his blackness was kind of a throwaway or a like diversity points, yeah, not yeah. a lived part of his experience, except like when he talked about how his parents were biracial couple. But otherwise, he's written just as if he were any white gay kid trying to come out yeah. in an evangelical home. Yeah, but so that's the book. That's the book. That's the. And- it was, uh, you know, I said before, like, I didn't like it. It was not very well written. The similes in this book, oh my fucking God. Every other sentence had a simile, and the sentences that didn't have similes had epithets, and some of them had both. And it, oh. It needed edited so real bad. bad. The similes were so bad. Yeah, it's, it's The fan clunky. fiction that I read is better edited than this yeah because fan fiction writers ask their friends to edit for them and chris colfer apparently does not listen to editors uh chris colfer doesn't have any real friends because he's in hollywood and he needs to get some random teens to do it for him uh i'll say i mean so 
when we started reading this, Corey was like, oh, I hate this book. This book is terrible. And when I started reading this, I had... We most recently read Red Rising for the podcast, yes. which killed my soul. I'm still dead. I'm a ghost from Red Rising. And so I was just like, ah, easy breezy. This is just fine. And so I know we talk about how Kate and I, our standards are real damaged by this project that we have undertaken. But I, I think this especially, and especially because I do generally, if I'm going to read something, I like a contemporary YA story. You know, this was not good, but it was, like I, I enjoyed it. I, <laughs> I didn't enjoy it. I would say I, I wouldn't say I enjoyed it. I would say that it was not painful the way that a lot of books are painful that we read. And like I said earlier, like even though it doesn't necessarily make the parts of it that were problematic better, the fact that it was very well intentioned, where so frequently we read books that are casually misogynistic or transphobic or ableist. Without, yeah, without any redeeming anything. Yeah, like, that made it easier to read. You know, it wasn't, it was poorly written, but it wasn't, like, total gar. Like, it, it was it was mostly fine. Like, I didn't like it, but I'm not, I don't think it's, you know, painful. I thought it was the worst book I've read this year, but I also have not finished that many books this year for a variety of reasons. And, uh, and look, if you're like, mainly reading good books, sure. Yeah, this is yeah. probably the worst book a normal person would read. We read <laughs> Rising before this. <laughs> right. I don't even read good books. I read, I mean, for work, I read good books, but I, for my own pleasure, primarily read like trashy romance novels. But I read like the best of the trashy romance novels, right? Sure. And no one uh, put in this book. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly, <laughs> exactly. There were bathrooms on their road trip, <laughs> unlike on Mars, where there are no bathrooms. I so we we cannot revisit Red Rising. I'll throw up, and nope. we don't have time for nope. that. Uh, let's move on to the dramatic readings from this fucking book. Uh, so I'll start. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna tell you all what Wiz Kids is. Cause, uh, cause you're all like, oh, you say it's like Doctor Who, but I don't know, and I'm gonna describe it to you, and you're gonna be like, okay. Um, so this is actually describing the the WizCon that we mentioned. The book starts at. The convention center was surrounded with a massive gathering of historical figures, extinct species, and extraterrestrial creatures. It was an alarming sight to every passing observer, but it was much more innocent than the psychedelic cult it appeared to be. All these people were at WizCon because they were fans of the hit television series WizKids. The show was an action-adventure series that followed a trio of young geniuses who traveled through space and time in an invention they constructed out of a porta potty Naturally, when it first premiered, the critics treated the show like a pinata. Each review of the ridiculous premise was more scathing than the last. Reviewers took great pleasure in ripping it to shreds and even became competitive with their convictions, each claiming to have hated it the most. However, with each fatal blow, WizKids only received more and more attention. People tuned in to see the absurdity for themselves, but they were not repulsed as promised. Audiences found the show's campiness to be rather charming. Its unique underdog spirit resonated with them, and a global phenomenon was born. No, it wasn't Shakespeare. But on the bright side, it wasn't Shakespeare. 
Seemingly overnight, the cast of young teens became household names. Their likenesses were plastered across t-shirts, lunchboxes, bedsheets, and various hygiene products, and their personal lives became the subjects of tabloid debates. Nine seasons later, the WizKids viewership was larger and more passionate than ever before. The self-proclaimed Wizards dominated the internet with more hashtags, trending topics, discussion forums, and fanfiction than any other show on the air. And, like a religious pilgrimage, every fourth weekend in June, wizards from wizards from around the world travel to Santa Clara, California for the sacred WizKids convention to celebrate the show together. That's it. Why aren't they called wizards? That would be better. That's what I kept accidentally saying. So, uh, that, that would be better. I, I also feel, I don't know, some of this I feel like is Chris Culver trying to be like sort of tongue-in-cheek, like knowing that it's stupid, and then just like committing to it. I don't know. It's hard to tell. And it's, I you know, and I get this way whenever I read any fandom books, like as a person who's been in fandom for so long, it's not hard to get things right when it comes to things like how conventions work or like what type of shows get big fandoms and how those big fandoms operate in the cultural sphere. Lee has a massive fandom with like a huge amount of fan fiction. And I mean, you know, you see actors who embrace fanfic and fandom and, and understand how it works like the supernatural crew or the sleepy hollow crew and so it's it's not as if it's impossible as an actor to like read twitter yeah and even if you're not like even putting his actor hat aside like if you're gonna fucking write a book about it right do some goddamn research right okay i am going to read uh one instance of cash being uh tone deaf privileged snot monster um and also letting down the other kids as they um realize much too late in their lives that uh their actor is not the character dr bumfuzzle just want to want to put that out there again okay so they are in the car uh trying to make small talk with their celebrity crush tell us what it's like to work on whiz kids topher said is it as much fun as it looks cash hesitated um sure he said and quietly faced the window anything else topher asked teasingly come on we've never met an actor from tv before we're dying to know The actor paused, forming the most politically correct and positive answer possible so he wouldn't upset them. Well, a lot of actors love working on television, but every show is different. Our show is more difficult to shoot because of all the special effects and stunts. We're in production 14 hours a day, six days a week, nine months a year. So it's a lot more work than people realize. Sometimes I go days without seeing the sun. Mo laughed like he was telling a joke, but there was no punchline. Wait, you mean you don't like it? She asked. That's not what I said. I'm just suggesting it's difficult to keep up your energy and enthusiasm when you've been on a schedule like that for so many years, no matter how much fun it can be. That's understandable, right? 
Clearly it wasn't because Mo looked like someone had taken her childhood, ripped it in half and thrown it out the window. But, but, but you make so much money and make so many people happy in the process. Doesn't inspiring people make it all worth it? Don't we make it all worth it? Cash let out a long sigh. Mo was making him uncomfortable, but not nearly as uncomfortable as she was making her friends. Hey, Mo, Topher interjected, why don't we change the subject and stop berating the man who just flew 2,000 miles to be with us? No, it's all right, Cash said. Look, the five of us are going to be together for a while. I'd like this experience to be as authentic as possible. But part of that is getting to be as authentic as possible. I'm glad you liked the show, and I'm happy to answer as many questions as you want. As long as you stop truth-shaming me. Truth-shaming? Joey asked. What's that? It's like fat-shaming, but for honest people, Cash explained. It's the reason famous people can never be totally truthful when they speak publicly. Think about it. Everyone usually has the answer they want to hear before they ask the question, especially from celebrities. However, if we answer honestly, and it differs from what people want to hear, unintentionally bursting a bubble or two, we get shamed for it. We're called ungrateful, selfish, disgraceful, everything but truthful. Alternatively, if we give the answer everyone wants to hear, but it doesn't seem genuine enough, we'll get shamed for that, too. It's a real mindfuck. That's... Yeah, and I mean, that definitely just feels like, hi, I'm Chris Colfer. Leave me alone. (laughs) (laughs) Also, truth-shaming. Yeah... I hope Chris Colfer does not believe that that's real. I hope that he's making fun of Cash. I I can only I can only hope. I can only cross my fingers and hope that at least some of this was tongue in cheek, or self aware, or something. All right, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna do, believe it. <laughs> I'm gonna do our last dramatic reading, which is from the Will reading, with all the kids and. Here we go. At 10 o'clock the following morning, Topher received a text message from Carl Weinstock with a time and address to meet him at. Topher passed the message along to his friends, and at 2 o'clock they met him on the 23rd floor of a towering office building in downtown Chicago. The floor belonged to a swanky firm called Meredith Brown & Associates, and a receptionist at the front desk escorted them into a long and intimidating boardroom. Carl Weinstock was waiting for them inside with an open briefcase. He was a short and chubby man with a thick mustache. Thank you all so much for meeting me on such short notice, he said and shook their hands. Why don't you have a seat and I'll get through this as quickly as I can. Topher, Joey, Sam and Mo sat across from the lawyer and he passed them each a manila folder with their name on it. First of all, let me tell you how sorry I am for your loss, Carl said. I've been working with Cash since he was just 12 years old, so this has been a difficult time for myself and others at my firm. Shortly before he died, Cash set aside some funds for each of you to help pay for your education. Go ahead and take a look. They each opened the folder in front of them and stared down in shock at the absurd amount of money the actor had left them. Holy fuck balls, Joey said. This, this is for us? Sam asked. Yes, Carl said. Mr. Carter wasn't sure how much your specific tuitions would cost, as you all had plans to attend different schools, but he wanted to leave enough money so you didn't have to worry. 
Where did he think we were going to school? Mo asked. Buckingham Palace? This is about three more zeros than I would ever need, Topher said. There's a second page, Carl said. The teenagers turned their pages and discovered another generous inheritance from the actor. As you can see, the second page is more individualized to your specific needs. Mr. Davis, Cash has left you his apartment on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, should you pursue performing arts in New York City. Miss Ishikawa, Cash has left you the official rights to his life story, should you choose to write a biography of the actor someday. As for Mr. Collins and Ms. Gibson, Cash has left you both an additional trust. The second trust for you, Mr. Collins, is titled the Billy Trust, which is enough to hire a full-time caregiver for your brother so you can focus on your education. Ms. Gibson, Cash left no instructions on how he wishes you to use the second trust under your name, but he's titled it the Transitioning Trust. After all the bombshells the teenagers from Downers Grove had endured over the summer, they didn't think anything could ever shock them again. However, all four of them stared down at the legal documents with wide eyes and open mouths. They weren't used to happy surprises. I can see you're all rather stunned, Carl said. I'll leave you alone for a moment while you absorb this information. If you have any questions, I'll be right outside the door. The lawyer left the boardroom to give them a few minutes of privacy. It took a while before Topher, Joey, Sam, and Mo realized they weren't dreaming, and even longer for them to form words to speak to each other. Holy fuckballs, Joey said again, as if all other words in the English language had escaped him. Can we even accept this? Sam asked. Of course we can, Joey said. It'll probably go all go to taxes and stuff if we don't, right, Topher? Topher? Sorry, I'm really overwhelmed, he said. I never expected Cash would do this for us. How about you, Mo? You're the creative one in this group. Did you ever imagine something like this could happen? And I'm going to stop there because I'm not going to say the last couple lines of this out loud because I refuse to. I just, I won't. I won't do it. I'm sorry. You know the what? End. Uh, nope. I'm not going to accept <laughs> that. <clears throat> Definitely not, Mo said. I don't care what Cash said on the first day in the car. Everything that's happened to us this summer, well, dot, dot, dot. It's all been, italics, stranger than fan fiction. Fuck you, Renata. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, that's that's it, though. That's the end. That's it. Uh, okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. I, lo- I loved it. <laughs> uh, y'all ready to play some Would You Rather? Yes. Yes. Would you rather visit the Bundy and Claire jailhouse in Amarillo or the UFO tower in Santa Rosa? Bonnie and Clyde, please do not sue us. <laughs> um, I think I'd rather tend, uh, visit the UFO tower in Santa Rosa just because I've always wanted to go to Roswell. And they had X-Files DVD box sets there, and I'm into that. I want to go to the UFO Tower, because they, the woman who runs it has apparently just, like, spray-painted broken Monopoly pieces, and is pretending that they're, like, parts of alien transmitters, and I'm so into that level of, like, not giving a fuck. 
yeah, hell yeah, UFO tower, I'm I'm there now. <laughs> For sure. Uh, okay, how about would you rather watch Wiz Kids or play Five Nights at Freddy's? Which we previously read a book about, if you didn't know. Um, so full disclosure, I could not listen to that podcast because I have a real crippling phobia of talking animal animatronics. Corey, it was so room. scary. <laughs> I'm scared I thinking about it. I can't go into a tiki it. room at Disneyland. Um, and I can't go into a Chuck E. Cheese. This is real. Sorry, internet. You can mock me as much as you want. I also have a crippling phobia of eels. Um, I can't play Five Nights at Freddy's because I would not recover emotionally from that. I sound like I'm kidding, but I legitimately had a panic attack so bad in the tiki room the one time I tried to go in there. Can't. Talking animal animatronics are my kryptonite. Uh, so I'm going to go with Watch Wiz Kids. I'm also going to go with Watch Wiz Kids, mostly because I sometimes get very motion sick while playing video games. And I mostly have watched Griffin McElroy play Five Nights at Freddy's, but I did have to stop because I was getting motion sick. So probably Wiz Kids won't make me motion sick. Yeah, if you've if you've listened to Five Nights at, or Five Nights at Freddy's episode, I don't blame you if you haven't. If you have, uh, you know that I'm I'm terrified and I will never play Five Nights at Freddy's. So by default, I will watch Wiz Kids. Although I also have to say, I don't care for Doctor Who particularly, so I'm not expecting to love Wiz Kids, but it probably won't frighten me. So, but in a world where Wiz Kids exists, Travis McElroy probably has a podcast about it. You're not wrong. Fair. <laughs> uh, last up. Oh, we didn't actually get into this. But uh, they stop at McCarthy's Diner, which is like a Red Scare-themed diner. Uh, yeah, that, so which I kind of loved. Uh, but would it. you rather eat at McCarthy's Diner or Steaks and Cakes, which is, of course, the fictional restaurant from Christian Mingle the movie that serves only steaks and full cakes? You know, McCarthy's Diner sounds like fun, and it's definitely, like, weird and strange enough that I would want to go there, but can you really beat a restaurant that would only serve you platters of full steaks and full-size cakes? I would say that you cannot, so I need to remain loyal to our sponsor, Steaks and Cakes. Of course. And also, I mean, Steaks and Cakes is also against communism. Um, I think I've, I think I've said this before on this podcast, but I'm a vegetarian who doesn't eat sugar, so mm-hmm. um, I really I have to go see the Red Scare themed diner in the middle of nowhere. That's fair. Steaks and cakes for all its for all its perks, it does not accommodate dietary restrictions. No, no. And I'm also vegetarian, but I just skip to the to the cake course. But like, if you're gluten free, like for whatever, like forget it. Steaks and Steaks cakes. Right deal out. with it. <laughs> uh, okay, well, great round, everyone. Uh, let's move on to readers' advisory, where we suggest some other books uh, to read instead of or in addition to Stranger Than Fan Fiction. And first uh, of all, first of all, if you're a wizard, you gotta check out Falsettos the Musical. <laughs> 
I think there's a there's a, a PBS great performances of it or something. I feel like it was recorded and broadcast somewhere. It was. I saw it in theaters. I think it's on Broadway HD. I don't know if there's a DVD of it. If you're yeah. into it, you you'll find out. Yeah. Also, if you you're into, you've probably already yeah seen that. But check it out. It's a really interesting look into like late '80s, early '90s suburban AIDS crisis family dynamics it's it's interesting yeah I recommended a piece of actual fan fiction called 848,739 ways to eat a hamburger which is an old school Stargate Atlantis fic where uh, Team Shepard goes on a road trip after they are kicked off of an airplane because of all of the knives that Ronan is trying to accidentally smuggle onto the plane and they need to rent a minivan to drive from Denver to Washington DC and they stop at every Waffle House along the way and Shepard hates his life and it is very good also, if you like fan fiction and you want some inclusive fan fiction that maybe does a better job with all of its intersectionalities, Oh My God, Check Please is a webcomic about an adorable little gay Southern baker. Um, the If you hate reading webcomics, the first actual year of his year at college playing college hockey just came out in a physical form so you can read it. But there is a ton of really great fan fiction that uh, has queer and trans characters and people of color. It's written by a black woman and both the original content and the fan fiction does a better job generally with intersectional marginalizations than this job, this book did. There's been a lot of other fandom based books that have come out over the years as kind of a trend. I've read a lot of them. I still, Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell is maybe still my favorite one, even though it's, like, not perfect, obviously. But it's cute. And it it also does the same bullshit thing where (laughs) it's clearly, Simon Snow is clearly Harry Potter, but then Harry Potter also exists. So I feel like everyone just needs to stop doing that. I didn't like Fangirl, but I really loved Carry On, which is the book of the fanfiction that the girl is writing in Fangirl. Yeah. So there's that. We'll have some more of those up on the website if you want to dig into that at worstbestsellers.com. And as a little plug for us, I have inadvertently, not necessarily on purpose, but it's turning into a trend, been recommending some of the fan fiction that I have been reading lately in our Patreon subscribers only newsletter uh, that you can get on to if you pledge $3 or more for our Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. Uh, so there's, you know, some recommendations for you if you give us some money. And if you subscribe, then you get access to the back catalog so you can go read all the old newsletters and get all those yes. old fan fictions. Yes. Although I, like, literally have just been reading the same one for, like, a month, so who knows what'll be happening in, uh, December's newsletter. Yeah, we got time. Yeah. Uh, all right, so worstbestsellers.com, check out for more reader's advisory. Uh, and now, what's I up? do want to say, oh. can I do one real fast? Um, because I said this was the worst book that I read this year, but the best book that I read this year was by a fan fiction writer who turned into, like, a legit writer. Um, and it's In Other Lands uh, by Sarah Reese Brennan, and it started out as a web novel, and it is not perfect, but it's a really great, amazing book. So if you want to 
know more about actual fan fiction and fan fiction writers. Um, it's a great book, and this one is not. Yeah, I, I, just like I, to I also in. really enjoyed In Other Lands. Every possible opportunity. Very good. Uh, cool. Uh, so now let's, what's everybody's candy pairing for this book? Um, mine is nerds because I don't want them, but they won't poison me, which is how I felt reading this book. Uh, mine is a slushy, uh, because of Glee and also because I, I, cause I kind of like this book and, uh, I, I kind of like a slushy, even though it's just like corn syrup or whatever. <laughs> Fair. I was trying to think of something that a candy that like pretends to be one thing, but is a totally different thing, which I guess I could have said birdie bots, every flavor beans, but I thought of candy cigarettes because like, uh, this book looks like it's going to be like a fun road trip novel. And then is actually like a Lurleen McDaniels book. Mm. Um, but also because it is about all of these things that are supposedly really morally toxic but are actually really innocuous. Yeah, that checks out. All right, it's time now for the Rock, Paper, Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book. I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book. Corey will choose which most enhances the book or can choose paper, which is leave the book as is. Okay. All right. Ready. Uh, If Dwayne the Rock Johnson were in this book, he would have had a cameo on an early episode of Wiz Kids, and he's managed to keep in touch with Cash and the other kids over the years. So when he starts hearing about Cash spiraling out of control, he reaches out to see if anything is wrong, and Cash finds himself telling the Rock all about his cancer in a moment of vulnerability. The Rock convinces him to get treatment despite the risks, if only despite the assholes at WizKids who wouldn't let him go to the doctor, so he can sue the pants off of them afterwards. Uh, he still goes on the road trips with the teens or whatever, but he's, like, slightly less of a weirdo asshole while doing it. Uh, if Wolverine were in this book, he would have built a sadness cave that was in the path of the world's largest rubber band ball, and when Cash uh, inadvertently lets it loose from its platform and it rolls down Indiana Jones style, it ends up blocking the entrance to his cave. Uh, in order to get out of his cave, he slashes it to pieces with his claws and then regrets destroying this landmark in this way. So he dedicates his next story arc of his comic to rebuilding the rubber band ball and to, uh, to replace it. Somehow, in the process of collecting all these rubber bands, he meets Cash Carter smells the cancer on him, because that's a thing Wolverine can do, and convinces him to get treatment before it's too late, because he's still, you know, he's still pretty young, unlike Wolverine. He's still got some shit to live for. I'm super into the whole idea of Wolverine destroying the rubber band ball, and also smelling the cancer on Cash. Um, But the rock plotline actually sounds like something that would have happened in this book, and would have made the book exponentially better so i have to go with Dwayne the rock johnson that's fair and i do wish he had been in this book yeah he's not all right well real quick what's the moral of the story uh this has been a moral for me in previous books but it remains true if you're famous enough you can write as many books as you want my moral of the story is celebrities are people too Kind of. Alright, let's let's find out what cats believe about the world, because it's time for Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte gives his opinions about the book. 
You know what, Dorte, you are correct. We have completely failed to mention that perhaps uh, Mo is actually the book's greatest character because Mo is the only one who has a cat, and that's important. And Mo's uh, cat is a great character. That's true. Dorte is 100% correct that we failed to mention Mo's murderously angry cat. Yes, who's named is named Peach or Peaches or something after the after the other half of the Peach Fuzzle ship. And I know we've discussed this before, Duarte, so I don't want to sound like a broken record. But, uh, you know, as as great as I think a sequel from Peach's point of view would be, I really think this is an opportunity for you to stretch your fanfiction muscles and write it yourself. Um, you know, you've got maybe a little bit of extra time after chasing all the sunbeams around Renata's apartment all day. So, uh, you know, just a thought. He does need to sleep a lot, Kate. Wow. It's important. But, uh, Dorothy, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time out of your sleep and sunbeam schedule to share with us. Now, do humans have any closing thoughts? I, I really am grateful to you all for the great work that you do in reading <laughs> books much worse than this one. Because this one was bad. I'm it just, was. I'm so glad no one wet their pants in it. Yes, and especially I'm no one like sure. intentionally wet their pants every single day of their life <laughs> as is apparently the case on Mars <laughs> the bar the bar just keeps getting lower <laughs> oh that's for sure true alright something about Red Rising broke me and I don't know we've read worse books but something about it I am irreverably changed because I, of that book I just Oh, the things. The things that we've read. All right. Well, if you want to come and talk to us about Red Rising, which, by the way, a lot of you all did, and I thank you for that. Uh, but you can keep doing that or talk to us about uh, Glee. That'd be fun. Or this book. Whatever. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash worstbestsellers. We're on Twitter at worstbestseller with no S because the S... Uh, uh, Died of operable brain cancer. No, it did. It did. And it was so sad. <laughs> uh, but you know what? The S just was so inspirational in his struggles. And uh, we also have a Goodreads group, which you can find via a link on our website, which is worstbestsellers.com, of course. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. And if you subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review us. When you rate and review us, it moves us up a little bit on the charts and makes it easier for new listeners to find us. If you don't rate and review us, we'll have to share your darkest secret with all of your friends. But it's going to be a growth experience for you, so it'll be okay in the end. As we mentioned earlier, you can also uh, pledge some money to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash worstbestsellers. If you're unfamiliar with Patreon, it is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation to us that we use to do things like pay for our web hosting, pay our editor, uh, run our website, and you get all sorts of perks from it, including access to a special store for merchandise, which we also have just a regular store for merchandise if you would like to wear our podcast on your body you can find it at worstbestsellers.com and we've got all sorts of t-shirts and tote bags and stickers and cards and fucking whatever else you can think of 
Uh, and if there's something that's not on a piece of merchandise that you would like it to be on, just let us know and we will do that for you. Perhaps. Unless you want us to make some bootleg Bonnie and Clyde merchandise and we will not do that because we don't want to be sued by them. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you if you just want me personally on Twitter, <laughs> I'm at Renata Snacks. Uh, if you want me personally on the internet, I'm at 14 across basically everywhere. I know I said I was going to come back on Twitter for Halloween month. I did not do that because the world was still real bad. Uh, I don't know when I'll be back, but I'm still on Instagram and Tumblr at 14 across. Uh, it's not as easy to chat with me. I get it. Uh, we'll see how mental health and the world and the internet are going as we slide closer to 2019. Not in a positive direction. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Helen's twin, H E L E N S twin. And you cannot find me on Tumblr. I'm there, but you can't find me. <laughs> Secret. And you should follow Corey. Cause she's great. Yeah, you should. Uh, if you, you should can... follow me. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, Corey, thank you so much for joining us and reading this book that was not great. <laughs> not great. Not great. Not uh, the worst. Not great. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, spoiler alert, I don't, I can't tell you what it's going to be in two weeks, so just, it'll be a fun surprise for us all. Yes. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thank you.